This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy, or loaded with meat, you'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in, pull up a chair and grab you a slice. In war, you have to kill to survive. On the streets of New York, the choice is the same. For the exterminator. Folks, welcome again to Cinema Degeneration. This is another episode of Grindhouse Pizzeria. I am your host, Cameron Scott. We'll be talking about Grindhouse and exploitation films tonight. Well, one film in particular. Once again, as my co-host, I have my good buddy, Tom Commissar, with us. Say hi to everybody, Tom. Hello, everybody. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Don't have any sound effects. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's been a little while. Uh, the world has gotten a little crazy, uh, so we were, we were hunkered down for a little while for about a month, doing a lot of editing on episodes, getting new episodes edited, and uh, we're back to recording a few new ones. But we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into the thick of it. We are going to be talking about tonight the 1980 extravaganza, The Exterminator. Now, yes. This was directed by James Glickenhaus. I forgot who wrote it. I didn't take that. My notes was as a rarity for me because I usually do. James Glickenhaus wrote it. 
Oh, he wrote he wrote it too. Okay. Usually I write down all that shit. <laughs> I did not today. My my notes are plentiful, but they're a little sloppy today. Uh, but you know, let's just talk about how it opens, because I, I hadn't seen this movie in probably thirty years at least. I probably last time I saw it might have been on cable around nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety. I remember the cover. That was what sold me on it. The cover and the poster, you know, a guy in black leather looking like Mad Max with a motorcycle helmet and the flamethrower. I'm like, yeah, you know, at, at the the age of like 14, 15, this is exactly what I wanted to uh, to see. I uh, I didn't see it when it was first released in 1980. I rented it at about the same time when the sequel came out. I think I saw them both and was just like, I got to see these. I don't. I didn't remember much about either one of them because they weren't ones that I revisited. But uh, it opens with a really... It just opens with a, a big fucking explosion. Several big fucking explosions. And they're all in glorious slow-mo. It's the 80s, so everything is... Tons of gasoline fires, and but it's supposed to be a Vietnam flashback. And this is where they spent all their money. Right. <laughs> uh, I remember, yeah. I, I read a little bit on it, and even if I hadn't read up on it, I would have guessed that this is where a good third of the budget went for this one, like, five-minute sequence. At but least. it's beautiful. It, it's beautifully yeah. shot. It's the best shot scene of the entire movie. I, uh... I'm with you on that. That actually, um, being a little older than you, uh, I I did see I when the last time I watched uh, the the first time, which was the last time I watched it, it was in the 1980. The first and last time. Uh, yeah, right. No, no. I watched the. I you know I watched it again for the first time in what 40 for well yeah 40 years, right? And yeah. Four, yeah. Uh, and uh, I uh, um, when I, I was 16. Did see it at the drive-in at the Ventura Drive-in Theater, uh, right there in Ventura, California. And I remember, I remember, uh, I actually remember the night hanging out with my buddies, and we we used to go there. You know, you'd go in there, and you know, and you sit in the back, and we'd watch the uh, watch the movies and hang out, and everybody, you know, call call park their cars there, and uh, you go know, parking, row, and right? we, but we'd watch, you know, we'd watch the movies. We were in the movies. It wasn't just sitting there and partying. I mean, we did, but. But we watched the movies, and I remember really being into this movie a lot. I liked the. I remember the poster art too. I remember seeing. We're like, yeah, the Exterminator. We used to go see a lot of movies at this drive-in, the Ventura Drive-in. I think it was the the one hundred and one or something like that. I don't remember. But anyway, it's beautiful. Still there, or is there another drive-in there? Is it gone? I think it's gone. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't lived out there in many years, Um, but. that is a, it was a beautiful drive and right there in beautiful Ventura, California. And we used to go there a lot. I mean, I remember my high school girlfriend, we used to go there all the time. And, and anyway, when I was just hanging with the, my buddies, we'd go and, and, uh, and, obvi- and we, I remember this one in particular. So when I watch it again for the first time in many years, uh, for, you know, just to kind of re- review it again for our show. I was like, oh yeah! I was like, oh my god! It was like it was so cool because I remember this stuff and I remember that that opening scene. And I was, it was, be- it's beautiful. I mean, it's so big and you know, and just bam, like with explosions and the helicopters and everything running around. And I mean, they go right into it. You know, and it's just a beautiful scene, and uh, you know, it's violent and it's scary and it's like shit. You know, it's a good setup for the friendship uh, yeah. between the, the the two main characters. You know, uh, John. 
and uh, Michael, John uh, Eastland, uh, the kid, the character, and, uh, main Mike, character, Michael, uh, Naba, Michael Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it was... And that's uh, played was, by uh, Steve James, played Michael Jefferson, and our main character yes. was Robert Ginty. Ginty? Ginty? I can't remember how it's pronounced. Yes, that, that is him. Yeah. And, I'm horrible. Uh, I'm horrible people. But please forgive me. I, I will mask her more names tonight, I promise. But go, <laughs> but go, go right ahead. But it was beautiful. But then I, I kind of, I didn't, when, when it goes into the opening credits and then they go to, from now they're out of Vietnam and, they're, and they go to the opening credits <laughs> and they do the opening. That, that, that really disembodied, that disembodied country music that plays up over right. city, cityscape right. scenes of New York City. New York. But you know what? It was really cool because I kind of forgot about the New York scenes, you know, about the shot. I'm just talking about the shots now, the cinematography of it. It's beautiful. Cinematography is really beautiful. It's a very beautifully shot, but the music is, wow. I I had a note here. I'm like, cringeworthy (laughs) opening credit country music. Why over New York City? Yeah, but I guess it beats, you know, I don't know, like, you you know, luck. Be a lady tonight. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been even more out of place. But it yeah, just, so I can, I can, oh, New York. You know, it's not, you know, uh, whatever. They picked whatever. But the, the shot itself, though, and then you got to see the the uh, the World Trade Center towers there. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, how beautiful. I thought, oh, look at how beautiful these were. this yeah, city looks. Old New York City. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm talking about just... It gets gritty in the movie, obviously, but I'm just talking about that opening shot of them flying around the city. This they're floating around. Yeah, when the they building. get those kind of the, the establishing master shots, you know, they're just oh. the aerial shots are really, really done well. It's all lit up and it's gorgeous, and it's like, oh, look at beautiful New York. Uh, look at the. You know what? That leads me to believe they had some really good um, helicopter pilots because the helicopter sequences of shooting that footage. Because you know that's right. what they probably used was helicopters, and yeah. the guys flying the helicopters in the opening sequence, the the, the Vietnam flashback, was really well coordinated. Better, yes, better coordinated than more some of the other stunts that are in the movie. But you know, like they had some top notch uh, helicopter pilots. Just an observation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those shots. You know, and, and I'm sure that wasn't cheap. Getting you know having to pay to have that footage shot. You know, it's not like nowadays we can. We can use a drone and do cool stuff. I mean, these are guys in helicopters flying around with these big cameras, you know, you know, shooting this beautiful footage. And anyway, just getting to my point, it was I'd forgotten about that big fly through New York City at night. And it is beautiful when you if you haven't seen the movie. And I we always say when you do see it, hopefully, you know, I think you'll notice that it's really gorgeous. And, and, and what I what's what I thought about what was so cool is they show this beautiful lit up, beautiful New York. And then it goes right into the, like the nastiest of nasty in, in New oh, York. Yeah. It's so it's so real because you know it's just like oh my god, look at this. this well, you have rough. to think it was shot around the same time in the same like areas of New York that Maniac was shot in. And I thought like, <laughs> yep, I, I could see these two film crews almost passing each other on the street. Right. Bumping into each other, I mean, it was like, yeah, I had, you know, it's funny you say maniac. I, I thought of that again. I go, man, yeah. this is like, yeah, it's got that maniac kind of, that gritty, nasty, like rough New York streets. It's like, man, you don't want to be down here, man. These yeah, guys like, will fuck you up. Like everything you know? can can and will hurt you. 
Right. And to spe- speaking of, of hurting you, uh, we're, we're still with John and his buddy Michael. They're working in kind of a shipyard, you know, uh, working at a beef packing plant and, you know, a beer distribution and enters this gang. Uh, which I think if I, I didn't make a note, but I think I remember they were called the Ghetto, ghetto Ghouls, right? The Ghetto Ghouls. Yes. Yep, they were the Ghetto Ghouls. They had and, the... The patch on the back of the jackets of ghetto ghouls. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, and in England, they had the hot rod car. They had the hot rod car, which had the stencil on the sign that said ghetto ghouls. But uh, they're there. And one of the, I have to uh, break for a second uh, to mention Irwin Keyes plays one of the main gang members. There's several. And Irwin Keyes, you know, he's been in House of Thousand Corpses and. God, I, I'm drawing a blank here. I can think of a dozen other movies usually, but uh, I know he did uh, several full moon films. He was in Evil Bong, uh, Oblivion, and a few more. But he's poor movie royalty. But he's one of the he's one of the the uh, ghetto, ghetto ghouls. ghouls, and they yeah. basically attack uh, the wrong motherfuckers. They mess with John. And they're about to cut him. They're going to mess him up, and then his buddy Michael Jefferson shows up. Everybody's fighting. They. You know, they have a little kerfuffle, a little fisticuff, and uh, they run the gang off. So the one thing I have to say, as with any movie that has Steve James in it, don't mess with him. He will fuck your ass up. Yeah, yeah, that was, I love that, too, because it, it was a good setup of, of what they're now, what their life is now. That they're out of NOM, they've, they've, they've come back, right. now they're in reality of their, of their back home, and they're working, and they're distributing. Yeah, they're just kind of going about their normal lives, but they're still friends, they're still like, hey, you're going to meet for pool and beers later, you know, still just kind of, you know, getting used to, to be, being back in normal civilian life. Right. But, uh, and, and, okay. No, I'm just saying that I like this, this setup, too, because, like we talked about in other movies, you know, the bad guys, yeah. I love these bad guys because they're over the top. They're just, they're total sleazebags. Like that one dude with the beret and then like, you know, Oh the yeah. Long hair. They're all scumbags. But then that, yeah, Rick keys, you know, his character, like, you know, they're like, just to be like, like, you know, they're a little over top kind of campy, but they're cool. Cause it's like, they're, these are just sleaze balls. Like you just hate them, but you love them, you know, like, Oh yeah. You love to hate them. And they get, yeah, they get the best of John. And uh, and then the Michael character uh, comes in and basically he get he beats the shit out of him and saves his buddy and uh, and uh, get gets him out of all that shit. And of course, that unfortunately uh, sets up the situation where uh, uh, you know the guys, uh, the gang, the, the the ghetto ghouls are gonna yeah. they're gonna come back and get revenge for getting their asses kicked. And unfortunately, that. Uh, uh, that happens pretty quick. That, but yeah, I mean, happens, the movie quick. moves really quick at the beginning. Uh, with yeah, and uh, what happens is uh, they 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 track him down and they and they uh, they they know where he lives basically, and uh, he's going out uh, to do something I forget, and he's cutting through. Uh, that's another scene where he's cutting through his house, you know, and you look at the the, the you know this lot that he's going through. You see the buildings, you're like. This is a real place, and this looks like a war zone on its own. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it literally looks like it, it had a bomb dropped on it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you could, if you shot a footage there for a war, you'd believe it because it looked. You could, it looked, yeah, you would believe that it was uh, a demilitarized zone. But right. they, yeah, they they show up and they don't just work them over. They they mess them up with a like 
a set of garden shears. Was no, no, no. It was a, a garden like a claw. Yeah, the like garden a, claw. And yeah, they bend, they turn them over, and they and they and the guys uh, they ram it into his back, and they basically just grind it into the back into his spine, and they cripple him, and then they snap his neck with they put a chain around him, and they they fuck him up really good, and they cripple. Yeah, they you know. So he's in the yeah, cripple and paralyze him. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does move pretty fast. I mean, you go right from Vietnam flashback to here we are present day to here is our present day problem is boom, right. boom, boom. And I have to say, you know, and then Robert Genty, he, he goes right, or I should say just John Eastland, the character just goes right into, you know, finding the guys. He doesn't funk around. He doesn't have any existential moment where he's just like, mm, what am I going to have to do? No, he knows exactly what he's going to have to do. And, right. you know, uh, it plays out basically like an 80s version of Death Wish. Oh, yeah, way, absolutely. It, it basically is, but it moves along much quick, much quicker. Um, Very quick. But he finds, you know, he finds the first gang member and he's going to torture him with, I, I just find it, <laughs> you know, ironic that he's, you know, using a flamethrower to torture this guy and it goes right into the next scene where, you know, the guy basically gives up his gang members. Right. Uh, the ex, uh, the exterminator, John Eastland, he he goes there with an M16. He takes everybody out while Disco Inferno Burn Baby Burn plays right. over. Yeah, right straight from Flamethrower <laughs> to Burn Baby Burn, and the lyrics are just right right there. It's, there's just a moment, like, after he kills everybody, and he's just kind of standing, sur- standing there surveying everything, and what? Disco Inferno is playing. I just laughed out loud. That, yes, that was a perfect song for that. But the buildup to him, even going in when he finds him, going back to the look of the places, it's like it's so nasty. Like he goes up these stairs and like like nobody would ever want to live there. And you know people did. No. You know, this they were shooting on a location. And they and they, he goes to their clubhouse. It's just like this nasty apartment in like the it worst looks like part you would of catch the tetanus or get, you know, right. an, an just infection. Touching the doorknob. Right. <laughs> Right, and and they go in there, and uh, they he, I like it when when he does bust in on the guys, and then you know they're they're partying and you know and, you know and doing that thing and kind of and they got a couple of girls in there, and then he he kicks the you know uh, uh, he kicks the girls out, get out of here, you know he throws the girls out, you know and they throw them yeah, out, yeah he throws them and, out. Uh, <laughs> I, did it remind you of RoboCop? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut comes in and is just like bitches leave. That, that, right. I, I, that's what I had, I had. I envisioned when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought of that as well. But I like it though because he doesn't like just like annihilate them and shoot them. He, you know, like he does. But like when he, I like when he takes them down, in and he takes them to that place where he, he's got them tied up and there's rats all over the place, and the rats like you know you don't see it really happening, but when they start discovering that there's some sort of vigilante in town. And they're finding these bodies, finding like, oh, the rats chewed up half his face or whatever the guy says. And, yeah, that's and what the kind of dirty, him. nasty place they were in, that these rats right. are chewing up the bodies halfway before the police can even get to them. And uh, it, uh, so it's, it's from that, it leads into like, uh, it, it starts getting into the, uh, where it starts moving into other things. You know, he they show some hospital shots where the initial one where he goes in to see his buddy. Mm-hmm. And his buddy is uh, is now he, he's he's he's, he's almost he catatonic. Talk. 
Right, and he can basically... I mean, he's almost like, catatonic. All he can really do is, is, is blink a response. Right, he asks some questions, <clears throat> and he blinks, like, kind of yes or no. And then he's there with the wife, which you see earlier is uh, his wife and the two kids, uh, Jefferson's family. And, of course, it's all sad, and, you know, and, you know he's not going to walk again, and... and uh, he yeah, I mean, because he has a very nice family, you know, and there's some very touching scenes with the family before they, I mean, he's like ripped away from them. Right. And then, what, like you say, when things move quick, it kind of does. It, it goes into a, uh, you start getting the mob involved, like crooked politicians and mob guys that run stuff. And then there's a mob boss named Gino Pontavini, which he's a really cool character because he's like, you like this guy? Like I wouldn't want to meet this guy. You know, what I mean, it looks like this guy would just fuck you up in a second. You know, right? And, uh, yeah. There, you can tell there's stuff going on now. Pontevini, like you know, like he gives people he gives people concrete shoes for breakfast. Right. It's like it without yeah. even thinking about it. But I remember. Okay, like the scene when they're introducing Gino. He's having breakfast with his lady, and then a guy walks in and he starts talking to you, and it's like. Hey, I, you know, didn't I tell you never to talk in front of her? You know, and he makes the yeah. girl go outside. And it's cool because this guy, obviously, he's in charge of, you know, the racketeering and all that stuff. So uh, they got the the meat business where he's, he's gouging. And the guy is, this guy is trying to give him, this, one of his mob guys are trying to let him know, like, hey, you know, you're overcharging. We just need you to, like, back off, like, four cents, four cents a pound. Well, like for six months and kind of cool it down. He's like, and then that big laugh, that big smile on his nasty yellow teeth. Like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, like, he's got a mouthful you, of nasty know? chompers. And he's just like, fuck you. You know, he's like, I'm not, you know, four cents a pound. You know how much money that'll cost me? He's not doing any such thing, man. This fucker don't give a no, shit. No, he's not taking a cut. You know, he, he, it's <laughs> like, it's almost, you can practically hear like the line from Goodfellas, you know, fuck you, pay me. Right. <laughs> You know, and I mean, this guy is, is good, man. I could watch a movie with this guy all over it. I mean, this character was great. That actor was, was outstanding. And, yeah. Uh, but Speaking he of, doesn't uh, fuck. Oh, good, good, good. No, I was just saying, uh, so it goes, it kind of moves in now. He's, he's, he's dealing with this asshole where now Eastland's going to like, you know, he, he's uh, a warehouse. Well, I, I think it bears, it bears saying like he takes out the entire gang that got his buddy. You know, he takes right. out pretty much everybody. And, you know, for, for so from here on out, he's just kind of the champion of the people. <laughs> you know, the vigilante champion of the people. He de kind of declares himself. There's no real scene that de depicts it. He just, you know, decides it in the next scene. It's just like, okay, you know, skeezy guy, am I going to be taken out next? Right. And that's like where Christopher George comes into it. You know, speaking of people you like to watch, I I love Christopher oh. George as Detective uh, James Dalton. But we'll get back. Yeah, because he's he's the investigator in charge of uh, finding out what's you know are all these extra murders that are going on that these bodies that are half eaten by rats that are left well, behind by Eastland. But well, what's cool is now with the with the, the mob boss. That guy, uh, uh, they show now that uh, East, Eastman's, uh, is Eastland, rather, uh, our, our, our exterminator, he's working at this meat packing plant. And, of course, their boss has to pay, you know, uh, protection money and all that. So he, he so Eastland decides to kind of get in the middle of all this stuff. Uh, and 
he 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 has this great scene where the restaurant scene where Pontavini is in there. He's going to have, you know, he's having dinner with a bunch of people. He's a big shot. You know, he's got his woman there and they go to the, this great, the oldest steakhouse in New York, the sign says, you know, and he goes into this famous steakhouse in New York and, you know, and I like his henchmen. They go there and the guy, you know, he's got to, he's got to take a shit, you know, Pontavini. So they go into the bathroom. His henchman goes in there first to make sure the stalls are clear. And then our yep, mom, yep, he checks the door, you know, he checks even the I, side door, make sure it's locked and everything. Right. Yeah. So Pontavini, you know, the mob boss goes in there to take a shit before the dinner. And then lo and behold, you know, our man Eastland, the exterminator, he comes popping up out of the trash can and he secretly. I just know it was so fucking correct. I was just like, I did not remember that. I didn't either. I was going, oh, and then. It hit me last second. I go, oh, wait a minute. He's in the trash can. And sure enough, the lid pops off. And he comes and he kind of tiptoes out of there. And then he's got some sort of, I don't know what he's got. He's, he's got a, a hypodermic needle with some shit in it. And he fucking. Yeah, he's, he's been, got some Gino, knockout juice or whatever. <laughs> Gino, right. Gino takes his dump. His henchman's still outside waiting for him to come back out. And uh, while he's washing his hands, our hero pops him in the neck with the stuff and knocks him out. And then he sneaks him out of the bathroom window and unbeknownst to his henchman, this dopey henchman. And he, and he gets him there. Now what's cool. Yep. He kidnaps him. Yeah. What's cool about it. This is another, this is a great scene here, man. It's like, you know, you're just rooting like, Oh man, this guy, he's not just going to shoot him or kill him or he's going to do something cool. So the fucking Bob Boss wakes up. He's already in the air, but he's chained up. He's 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 dangling on these on this chain on this like hoist, and our hero fucking wheels up this industrial size meat grinder and puts it underneath him, and he's like, "Hey, no, no, wait a minute, hey, we can talk about this, hey." hey. <laughs> oh yeah, he instantly starts begging. <laughs> no, he gives up. Cool. He gives up everything. He's like, "I'll tell you." where I was at, who I was with. He's like, here's the, here's the keys to my house. This one, I mean, he's very specific. This one opens the front door. This one takes out the, the, the security lock. Yeah. I, that's great. And, and when he thinks he's getting mouth out, he lowers him a little bit. Like he's going, no, 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 no. You know, like he scares the <laughs> shit out. And it's great. It's well, like, and, oh. and, he, and the thing is, uh, the, the executioner, sorry, I keep saying that <laughs> the exterminator, he is an executioner, but he's the exterminator right. anyway, or just say Eastland. Well, I'll say Eastland, Eastland. Uh, says to him, he's like, if you're lying to me and there's anything else there, you know, I'm going to come back and I'm going right. to kill you. And he doesn't, and he doesn't tell him about what is it that he doesn't tell him about the dopamine pincher that dopamine. he's got. Yep. There was a, there was a setup earlier where, yeah, Gino's house where he shows off his dog's ability to rip somebody apart. And uh, but real quick, this is real cool filmmaker stuff now. Filmmaker stuff, filmmaking. If you're gonna have like a foam hammer or anything, or if you're gonna have a real to, to hit somebody with, before you go and do that, you establish this thing's a real hammer by taking a real hammer or something and whacking it on something where people can hear the smack. Like smack, so you know this is a real hammer. So when you do hit the fucker with the foam hammer, you know, and you put the sound effect there, they've already established like they felt that thing. Well, what Eastland does here in the filming, and this is Glickenhouse, the director, was cool. Is he has uh, Eastland, the exterminator, take a big 
like a brisket of meat and throw it up into the grinder first. So Gino Pontavini can see, and we can see as the audience, the meat coming out of the thing, you know, all ground up like ground hamburger. And it was a cool thing, like, like you know, like I'm, it wasn't like, I'm going to put you in this meat grinder. He shows us that this is what's going to happen to you. He doesn't say, say a thing. He just tosses <laughs> it in there and lets it grind up. And we see it coming out like, oh, boy. You know, if this guy fucks up, he, he's going to be, uh, you know, ground beef. And so it's <laughs> cool. You know, it's a great thing. So what? So anyway, yeah, you, like you were saying, he goes in the house. He's looking around for shit. He finds he, – what, but what he's basically doing is he's going to rip off because Eastland is a great guy and, we, and he's a hero. He's going to steal money because he doesn't have any money and neither does his pal uh, uh, who's in, in the hospital – but he wants to take care of his pal's family, his wife and the two kids. So he's going to steal this money from Gino to give to his wife so he's got money. And he wants his buddy to know that. Like, I'm going to take care of your family for you. So that's what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. going to Gino's house to steal money out of the safe. Not he's kind of doing a Robin Hood kind of kind of thing. Yeah, total yeah. Robin Hood thing. So anyway, the Doberman attacks him. He's got to fight this Doberman and he... He ends up killing it. We don't see it, obviously, but you hear the Doberman like. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, that was that was one scene that really turned me off. Like you, you knew like it was it was coming, even if you'd never seen it before. You know, you knew that it was either going to be him or the dog. And like, I, I just don't like seeing animals getting killed. You (laughs) doesn't bother me all the. Yeah, says where my mind is at. That's why I'm glad I didn't really see any. They didn't show anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, okay, they didn't cool, even show the know. aftermath. It's just like you know, no. he, it, he just yeah. had blood on him. But uh, so he does. What's cool is he goes back because I don't like it. He gives you a warning, like you can do the right thing, but if you fuck up, I'm coming back to get you. And sure shit, because he didn't tell him about the Doberman, he goes back and he lowers Gino Pontavini, the mob boss, into the meat. <laughs> And you know what? Uh, uh, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Right. We got that was the payoff. Like, all right, scumbag. And the guy's screaming as he's getting lowered down into the meat grinder. Of course, we we get to see uh we get to see the meat coming out of there and piling up there, you know, as Gino. So, you know, that was cool. That was a good and, payoff. And, G- and Gino, man, he fl- he flips out with the last five seconds that he has. He uh he's a good screamer. Oh yeah, that was good screaming, man. That was good. That was good death screams, man. You were you're you're getting ground up. That that's about as fucked up as you can think, man. That would be fucked up <laughs> if he'd lowered into it. Yeah, he he screamed kind of like I did in uh, the House of Horrors ah! twenty five. The yeah, scream was very similar. Yes, you had a meat yeah. incident yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a grinder. It was more like a slicer. But yeah, you know, that was you you. That was a good scene, man. You I mean, just off topic here. That was. That was in Slaughterhouse, folks. Uh, Marty, the nosy neighbor, is played by my my host here, uh, Mr. Cameron Scott, and his scene when uh, our, our, <laughs> our our beloved Amber Burns, uh, when she uh, a, a, as uh, as a sweet little Holly uh, takes care of him with a knife. Uh, you do a really good scream, dude, and, and uh, that was a good scene. You you guys really yeah, nailed she, that. Yeah, uh, she dismembers me. And I, I, I remember meeting her in the clown makeup and going, I've never met this person before, and here's this 
girl in a bunch of crazy clown makeup and a butcher knife. And this is the girl that's going to be slicing you to death. I'm like, okay, okay. This is how I go out. (laughs) He can definitely, she brings the goods, baby. Yeah, yeah. You know, she she scares the loving hell out of me. (laughs) I remember saying that. I go, man, this this girl is is fucking the real deal. <laughs> I yeah. mean, she was she was intense. Well, I mean, when I met her, met her when I came on set, you guys were already filming, and you had that big cage, and she was in the cage. I was yeah, just like, yeah. oh, this is the person that's killing me. Okay, I got to be going. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, she- we we digress a bit. I think this is a good point. We've been talking about some of the the, the first half of the movie. And I think, you know, really, this is the point in the film where it, it might it might surprise you, but it started to go a little downhill for me. I'm, uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of hurt a bit because I hadn't seen this movie, you know, in, in good 30 years or so. And it it started to fall apart a little bit, you know, not even a little bit, a lot of it. The, the story is very, uh, starts to get very disjointed. I like some of the scenes, but there's really no... Uh, set up to a lot of it. It's just, I think it suffered from great direction, but poor writing. Uh, there's, yeah. n- there's not a lot, there's a lot of moments where it's just like, okay, kind of like, a, why, why, what's with the, the, the crooked cops? What's with the, the crooked CIA agent that comes in? What's right. with, you know, like I have one in here that w- took up one whole like third of a page. I wrote, what the fuck was up with the hot dog sequence? <laughs> Christopher George is this this cop has got this elaborate setup where he's got like electrical wires hooked into forks stabbed into a hot dog that's suspended in midair that he's cooking while you know talking police stuff and then I I, I didn't understand it I know they were going for quirky and weird but it a couple of those just it, it was just too weird it, it just didn't work because I was just yeah, like no- I cooks a hot dog that way anyway <laughs> I know yeah, that's my special just yeah, I agree with you there. There was definitely some some head scratchers there. It was kind of like, why are we watching this? And then I got, you know, and yeah, just stuff in the storyline, like, why is this in here? And then you th- and then I was thinking, well, <clears throat> I wonder if stuff got cut that would have made sense, but it was too long or, you know, or like maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then it felt like had to leave it in and it was some of it was a little little wonky, you know, well, it felt and, like uh, scenes were missing to me. Right. That's yeah, you know, that's what I mean. Like like explanations. It felt like you know they cut stuff that just like there there's you know as a writer I think okay there's a scene that's missing in between these two scenes like they cut something that was just like that would have explained because all of a sudden we're you know in a high rise in an office with guys in suits and it's kind of obvious that they're bad guys but we don't really know who they are but they're talking about the exterminator right so it's just. I don't know. I, 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 unfortunately, this is where my opinion on the movie starts to, to, to change a little bit. And I'm yeah. like, at this part, at this point, it just it seems at all random. You know, it's uh, it's loosely tied together because you got the crooked pro- politicians are introduced with no kind of explanation. Uh, there's a a hotel a hotel of ill repute. You know, where you pay by the hour, or you pay by the every thirty minutes, and there's a creepy dude known as what, what was he? The chicken pimp, I think was yeah. his name, who specialized right. in underage things. Boys. It was this horrible yeah, like, boys, and and you know, and he was trading with other other 
pimps that brings brought in a girl that wouldn't perform, so they torture her, who then the exterminator uh, runs into this uh, prostitute later on, takes her back to the hotel, sees what they have done to her, sees that they've, they've, they've burned her up and they've you know mutilated her, and he decides to take them, them out. Now, as random as that kind of was, to kind of bring that into the storyline, I enjoy any time I see pedophiles or guys that are pimps getting their just desserts. And these guys, uh, well, I'm kind of well, jumping ahead because there's there's a scene where he's kind of starts, he, he gets into a Travis Bickle moment where he gets his guns ready, you know, and he kind of gets out like an old West guy. He's getting putting his guns on, getting ready for battle, but he's like drilling them out to make them hollow points and dripping liquid mercury right. into them, sealing it back yeah. up. Yeah. Right, that was a cool setup. I, I I agree with you on this because what I do like what they did was even though it was a little wonky in the story, <clears throat> they still had the cool bad guys that you wanted to see fucking slaughtered. But they did a cool thing. There was another <laughs> cool scumbag in there that that New Jersey senator, that little short, fat, bald guy with the glasses. That was the yeah. The minute the minute I saw him, I'm like, this guy's a skis ball. Right, and they and that and between him and the chicken pimp, because they were both in the same building together, the the house of ill repute. You know, you know, it was like it was just all like this is one of his good best customers, this this sleazy politician pedophile, and this guy was such a sleazebag, and he's in like a towel, and he's you know he, walking around this place, you know, like he, you know, and he's spending his money waiting for little boys to be brought. You know what? To him. I mean, the, the like, guy. If you took a picture of him, he would look like somebody that belongs like on the front page of a sex offender registry. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he looked like a pedophile. Right. And what, so he, th- those were, you know, and then like the girl, because that girl, that that prostitute didn't didn't want to do all this crazy shit and that the chicken pimp makes him makes her do it. Yeah. And they do the thing where they set the they set up a real gnarly thing for you. Like if you didn't hate this this senator enough you know he's got that poor girl in there she's just a prostitute she's doing her job you know what i mean but he's taking a he takes a hair iron like a hair curling iron and puts it in vaseline it's all hot and he yeah he, he you don't really you don't see it so much yeah they don't they, they we should specify he, that they don't show it as this implied because they cut away and then the next time you see her she's just walking down the street well, day, days so, later you know going back to the travis bickle thing like Kind of like, you know, our, our hero, uh, the exterminator, Eastland, he's going down there and he meets the girl and he talks her and they, they make, they go, you know, they agree on a price and they go into this thing and he doesn't want to have sex with her. He's talking to her and she's like all embarrassed. He asks her about the scars on her chest and, you know, he's like, well, you know, and you think she's kind of like, you know, thinking he's just some kind of freak that likes this stuff and he explains kind of what's going on. And so he finds out some information. Well, he explains to him, he's like, nobody's ever going to touch you again. Nobody's going right. to hurt you again. And, I'm going to take care of these guys. Right. So that's a good setup for when he does go in and he takes out the chicken pimp. You know, he goes in there and he does a cool Which setup. Where he's specified like, that he takes them out with one of these mercury-laden bullets right in the junk. Shoots them with a forty-four right. magnum mercury-led, uh, mercury-filled hollow-point bullet. Right in the junk. Right. That, that's the that's the senator. He gets him. But what I like he does with the chicken pimp first is when he comes in, he goes in and he says, hey, this is Eastland now talking. He's like, hey, I got a couple of young boys for me, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. 
and he's all excited. Oh yeah, how much? You know, oh, five hundred a piece or whatever. Oh cool. And he's all, it's like, he goes, man. Yeah, and then he just switches. Bag, aren't you? And also, hey, what are you? And then so it's cool because uh, uh, Eastland ties up this punk ass fuck, and then he pours lighter fluid all over him. And as he's, as he's lighting him on fire, our pedophile senator comes out of the hallway and sees what's going on. He's like, oh fuck! So he basically he runs yeah. back into his room. He's hiding out there with a boy. There's like this naked boy. That he's like on a stomach and it's sick, you know. It's like they don't really show him, but yeah, he's gotta, uh, he comes in and I, the kid's I like, could have done without all that. Yeah, that was rough. I remember back then. I was like, oh god, Ugh. and yeah, that was the but, movies shot in. It just seems to have been a theme in the early '80s. A movie shot in like, the early '80s in New York City were just right. very rough. And, and yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was as gritty as you really don't. Yeah, it was fucked up. But it was cool because he doesn't waste time getting revenge. It's not a bunch of talking. He comes in, shoots the nope. senator, this cock. You know, these guys. He's got a towel on, but he shoots him right in his fucking right in his fucking jib jubblies and fucking in his jubblies. Know, and yeah, he had no jubblies left. No, he took him out, and then he re- he saves the boy, which was cool. The boy's crying. He, he and he's, he's like a teenage kid who obviously he was, you know over 18, but he, he looks young and he unties them and he basically let, you know, freeze the kid and all that. So that's, that's a good scene because that's, you know, he fucks those well, dudes well, up. What, what preface that scene before when he gets to that hotel the first time, which was a little bit off put humor when they get there and the hotel clerk, uh, who uh, might mention played by Tom Everett. He's a great, uh, character actor. He's been in, right. uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Friday 13th, 4, Prison. He's been in a bunch of stuff. But, he, right. you know, he's rattling off the prices. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's uh, $15 for a half an hour or whatever. He's like, $5 for uh, clean sheets. Do you want clean sheets? Do you want, you know, he keeps saying, you want the sheets? You want the sheets? You want the sheets? Like, ew. Like, right. <laughs> so that's the, that, that's this kind of painting you a picture of what what even the front frontal facade of this place is even like that's how seedy it is like they're not even pretending that they changed the sheets in between the Johns coming in and out no pun intended and <laughs> and the fact is that's probably exactly how it was in real life like walking in oh, I have no doubt oh and just like I have no doubt whatsoever. <laughs> Fucking stuff, fluids. I don't need to mention what kind, but lots of fluids on the carpets and the, and the couches and stuff. It's got to be just so nasty. You know, oh, a, a, a black light would shed real tears <laughs> if they were shown in a, in a oh, place like that. I couldn't even imagine throwing a black light in there. You'd fucking throw up. You'd be screaming. It, it, it looked like it was, if you turned it on, it would probably look like it was painted in like glow in the dark paint. Oh, right, right. Like a John, like a Jackson Pollock painting. You just fucking. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, God. Or more like, God, no. Oh, God. Oh, my God. So anyway, so uh, we got now we got our setup here for our last assholes. Uh, uh, well, there's assholes all the way to the end, but but we're not done with the ghetto ghouls. Our long-haired no, guy. No, not quite done with them. There was what the one guy that uh, he had let go. And what happens? We get the 
of course, we get the poor elderly woman just, you know, on a fixed income walking home with a bag of groceries. And our three assholes oh, yeah. get up here. And that little, the blonde dude, not, it's not really blonde, but kind of brownish long hair, the guy that he was going to kill in the beginning with the flamethrower, he's one of the guys picking on. Of course, they, she's on the ground crying, and they're going through her purse, and they're stealing everything, and it just, you know, typical. Yeah, and they're throwing all her stuff on the ground, and, and, I mean, they're kicking her while she's, she's down, pretty much the biggest scumbags you can possibly imagine. Right. But what's cool is a guy on a uh, motorcycle pulls up, and he's going to help. He's like, hey, what's going on here? And then... Uh, uh, yeah, and they're like, hey, you want to be a hero? You want to do something, pal? And they, right. Fuck, and what's cool know. is our guy shows up and basically steals the guy's motorcycle, you, you know, out of character a little bit, but he but he does, he takes Yeah, he, he does, does. He does straight up steal the guy. Well, he, he, well that gunpoint. It should be said, it should be said that the, the ghetto ghouls take off. And two right. seconds later, the hot rod in the in the muscle car. In, in in the muscle car, they take off and leave him. The they they tell the 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 motorcycle guy to lay down on the ground and don't move, and they leave him there. Well, he's like trying to help the lady, and you think, oh shit, the exterminator is going to show up and think this guy because he's like, you know, he puts a gun to his head, but he tells him, hey, you know, you stay right here, don't don't move, and and like you said, out of right. character, steals his motorcycle, which should be mentioned also. He never gives it back. He never <laughs> drops it off anywhere. He just, the rest of the movie, he's just tooling around in this guy's motorcycle. I, I think somebody in the, in, the, in the writing department said, like, listen, like, our hero needs to ride a motorcycle. Like, well, what can we do? Like, the, can, can the random guy that helps the old lady not be riding a bicycle and be riding a motorcycle? Yes, we're going to change that. So for the rest of the movie, our hero has got a motorcycle. And right. a cool motorcycle helmet. Yes. He's, a, he's got the helmet. And he's chasing, uh, he's chasing the guys uh, in the in the in the muscle car, and they eventually, uh, I, I forget exactly how it happens, but eventually he kind of goes up over something, he goes down a thing, he crashes the bike, and then yeah, now he he's up crashing the bike. He's hurt a little bit. Um, he's he, he's kind of he's trying to limp away, and the guys are in the car. Oh. Oh, yeah. Before that, the three of them in the car, before he crashes it, he pulls up on them, and, they, and the one guy gets out. And this is the long-haired guy that he should have killed earlier, but he was nice to him, gave him a break. He takes his yeah. gun out, he blows his fucking kid, just shoots him. And the kid, they do a slow-motion thing where it lifts the guy up off his feet. He goes flying in the air. It's a great, it's a great shot. And then the other two like guys... The, the action is very well choreographed. It's got a very... Like an like an old school Walter Hill kind of vibe to it, yeah. You know, yeah, it's good. And then so the other guys, they they take off and, and they're chasing him now. Now there's only two ghetto ghouls left, and they're going after him. And um, this is when he actually, you know, at one point he, he he you know it's a high speed chase and he crashes the bike. Now he's hurt and he's kind of limping away. The other guys, they come around and they make their way back down to where he crashed the bike. And now they're coming at him. And they're, uh, they're, they're going to get there. You know, he's like on the ground trying to get away. Now, does he get on the bike again and get out of there? Or is that bike destroyed then? I forgot what happened. You know, I thought he got got away on the bike. You know, he does because later on when the uh, 
when he he uses it to divert attention uh, to to get away when he's going back to his apartment and the cops have already yeah. been there. Yeah, so well, no, he, he does. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he get in a car? Didn't he get a car at some point? Or is he back in the cycle the whole time? I think he I gets he back was on the cycle. I thought yeah. he was on the cycle I mean, the whole time. How? So he gets our guy. I, I don't know how. I don't remember. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, okay. Uh, well, you know, the, I think it goes from there because uh, the mugging leads to the car and the motorcycle chase ends with the car exploding. He takes them out like he I think he lays the bike down, but it doesn't like completely take it out because he takes out the driver with one shot straight to the head. Yeah. And then the, they, they, crash, they crash the car. It flips over, falls down. And, over, yeah. And then it blows up. Right. Is that what is Which that what like happened? it always does. Everything in, in a movie, if you shoot any bullet at a car, if it crashes any kind of which way, it, it explodes in a big fireball. Oh. And it, but it looks beautiful. It's beautifully done. Yeah. So he takes so now he's finally done with the ghetto ghouls. He goes back and now he's we're getting back in now where we're getting back into the the CIA thing what's going on yeah, here because what was up with that agent shaw agent shaw's the guy that shows up and you know he's basically like you know hey you know because of the mayor being reelected and and whatnot you know we we got and what's going on with the state senator this is all going to look bad you know that we got to think about what's going to happen at election time think, you know this they think they think that the exterminator might be the opposition plant like they got the exterminator yeah. to go cause a bunch of pr crimes to make the politicians, you know, the incumbent look bad. So they think so. They're in there investigating, like you know, okay, who is this exterminator guy? You know, well, at they, the they, same time, what was up with Agent Shaw, the guy who played him? I, I, I was like, okay, is he? I know he's supposed to be a CIA agent, but he came across as like if Dracula was a Nazi. You know, the way he talked. <laughs> The way he walked, the way he handled himself, he, he was like an, a European aristocrat, and his hair was yeah. done up like yeah. Bell Lugosi, and his voice was very Christopher Lee-ish. And I'm like, I, I think this guy thought he was acting in a Hammer movie. Yeah, I think maybe it was just his his interpretation of the character. I don't know, but I yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I, He's yeah. just like, I've never met a CIA, CIA agent, but this is how I feel they would would play like you you know like i'm not, not so sure that this guy's not a cannibal or something or a vampire but you yeah, know he's a strange one no doubt about it yeah and, it was a strange uh, character it was just uh just odd uh, <laughs> uh so they finally oh, so got dalton uh they're starting to figure out now dalton in between some stuff are missing here but he's he every once in a while he keeps running into this nurse at the hospital um yeah played, played by uh samantha egger Samantha Egger, and uh, a British actress, uh, and uh, and they they <clears throat> what happens is in this point of the movie, he goes to the he's at the hospital, basically getting a booty call with her, Dalton now. And let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. You know, I I, I, <laughs> I, I like the the detective Dalton's character. I like. Christopher George is an actor. He's a great guy. He's always a cigar chomping hard ass and he plays it well. But like there's the subplot of him trying to romance this this nurse or uh, doctor that that he's uh, trying to get in her pants. 
but um, like she at one point is just like, you know, hey, at the end of the hall, you know, down from where uh, Eastland's friend is laying halfway catatonic. Hey, we got a room at the end of the hall. That's, you know, a bed that's unoccupied. Hey, if you just, you know, she kind of makes bedroom eyes like, hey, you want to go? So they're just randomly, you know, they don't they don't really show anything. It's not, a, you know, it's not a gratuitous right. sex scene. It's just like, oh, we're just going to, you know, it's always po- poised, uh, post-coital kind of moment. But as they're getting busy. Uh, Eastland comes in and talks to his buddy and they have like a silent communication kind of thing going on because that's what bros do I guess uh, you know is what they're trying to say he's like I know what you're saying because he's called there uh, you know his his buddy uh, Jefferson uh, you know Steve James uh, told the nurses told the doctors you know I want to see my, my buddy so they call him there and right. uh you know, he, he basically, you know, doesn't have to say it in words because he can't speak, but he just like asked him, he's like, do you want me to end this for you? You know, do you, you know, the, the doctors have told me, you know, that, you know, you're not going to get any better. You know, I know what your situation is. And, you know, if you don't want to live like this, just blink twice. And of right. course, what does Steve James do? He does. He blinks twice. So, right. his so you buddy, know he kind of pulls a Kervorki and he, he, he does uh-huh. assisted suicide, so to speak. Well, he pulls the plug on the machine, and it is, and, and then he is his buddy, obviously, and now uh, is going to, is, is dying. But what's, it's cool, what I, I liked in there, that the attention to detail is that he didn't just, like, pull the plug and, like, they could plug it back in. He cuts the cord so they can't yeah, he, he, back I, in, you, know, you know, I thought that was, uh, you know, there was no way that they were going to be able to plug it back in. It was, right. you know, I mean, for a sad scene. It was a it was an interesting detail, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was kind of because they could have done a lot, you know. But yeah, he takes his knife and he cuts this thing, and then and then it's kind of like it was kind of weird because when they when they discover that it's like uh, uh, Samantha Eggers, her character was kind of like when they're talking about it, like uh, uh, Dalton's kind of like is that yeah because you, you got to remind everybody there's there's still they're still down the hall in bed postcoital. You know. Right, and then and then he they're they're putting it two and two together. Like when he gets up and 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 then like it's like uh, Eggers, she like tells him like, oh yeah yeah he died yeah it looked like somebody pulled the plug out and cut the cord you know like it's kind of like you know like that ah, like they always do. I mean she didn't say that but it yeah. was kind of like it was kind of nonchalant like it wasn't like you know oh my god they pulled the and then some maniac cut the yeah, cord. It was you know? so it was, it was, was kind like, so yeah, of factly. Right, like this happens all the time. You know, it was, yeah, this it was is the 32nd time this happened this week. Yeah, how many more times is this going to happen? So, you know what uh, these cords are we, like to replace? <laughs> you know how much they cost? We don't have the budget for new cords. So, anyway, <laughs> oh, but it's yeah. funny because now we got, we got Dalton. He's standing in the hallway. He doesn't know that he's looking at Eastland, the guy, the exterminator. Yeah, because he's just walking. The nurses are running, and doctors are running down right. one end of the hall. Eastland's and, walking down the other one, and John Dalton is standing there, obviously looking like he just crawled out of bed and got done fucking. Because his shirt's right. kind of hanging out; it's not tucked in. His pants aren't even zipped up. His belt's hanging loose. He literally looks like he just walked out of bed. Right, he just and, got tagging, and then and he, he walks by, which has one of the best lines ever. I know, you, I know, you know it. So go ahead, and he says, "It goes your hey, he goes, hey, your fly's down. And then, yep. and then, and so, uh, fucking, uh, Dalton looks down and he 
pulls up a zipper, and then the 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 the, the elevator's door shut on Eastland, and then he realizes. I think that's when I think that's when it hits him, right? He's like, "Oh, you know, that's well, the well, guy." Samantha Eger comes. That's when Samantha Eger comes back yes. out. The doc comes back out and nonchalantly says, "Hey, yeah, they cut the cord. Somebody just did it." And he was just like, "That guy that just came down the ha- hallway, that's the exterminator. That's the guy we've been looking for." Yeah, it was a great scene. It's like that moment, you know, the guy just told you your flies. The, the moment of realization. <laughs> he's like, "Really? You know, I was boning down the hallway. You know." <sighs> oh. It. Oh, <laughs> it's a funny, it's a, a funny lot, exchange. There's a, there's a lot going on in this movie. We're not even done. <laughs> well, like, that was one thing that I thought was a, a, a bit much. Like it didn't need like uh, the the setup with Dalton's love interest. It didn't need all those scenes because there's a scene where she you know uh, wants to take him to a jazz club and they're having drinks and they're romancing. It it seemed like I don't know. It seemed like a bit much. I think it's, it was something like, oh, God, we got all these sick perverts. We got to show it. We got to show something like, you know, you know, one of the cops one of the, wants to bang this broad. You know, like they want to show a sex scene or something, but they don't really even show anything. And yeah, then they never even. Right. They don't this, even. <laughs> well, well, this is what follows after this. This is where the movie to me is just all, a complete mess at this point. At, at this point, it does go into real mat, a real random mess kind of thing because. You know, instead of like putting an APB out or trying to find Eastland, he goes back to, you know, John Dalton goes back to his office and he's got a case kind of like the one that the executioner has a weapons case, you know, a custom weapons case that he opens up and he's got a he's got a bayonet and he's got, you know, Dalton's pulling out a special 45 and, you know, a tactical assault assault shotgun. And he puts together the most random tactical squad I've ever seen assembled in history. Like one guy with like some weird rifle and then they each, everybody had a different outfit or a different weapon. You know, like I've never seen random New York city police officers have long barrel, double barrel shotguns, you know, and like what, where, where, what I think they just had like, like, listen, these are the only guns we have. Whatever guns were in the prop case, like you know, yeah, like we got right, three of them. All right, Bob, here the you get random, the most random weaponry tactical police squad that I've ever ever seen, and that goes into the scene that we well we've already mentioned briefly. They're at his apartment. They're tossing it around and kind of you know trying to figure out you know get the uh, information and evidence on Eastland. And there is a kind of a neat shot where they're thumbing through these. He's got an anarchist cookbook. But Eastland is kind of one step ahead of him. He knows they're, you know, they're there. He sees that they're there because one of them is, you know, perched on the roof. That's when he escapes away on the motorcycle again. And he calls his own apartment to talk to Dalton. And he's like, basically, hey, set up a meeting point here at the shipyards. He's like, go down to crane number five or number four or whatever it was. Right. It's like, come alone. If you don't, I'm going to fucking kill you. Right. And. You know, to Dalton's credit, to the writer's credit, I should say, they didn't do it where it's like, well, you know, I'm going to station you over here and you over here. No, he goes in alone. And uh, he, he, you know, it's it's a it's kind of set up where the CIA sets everything up. And then a twist, they end up taking out, they end up taking good old George out. Or I should say Dalton out. They take up Christopher George, John Dalton. Right. But. It's just at the moment where the exterminator is, I think, 
you know, he's showing him, you know, th- there's an intense little standoff. You now they kind of shoot each other back and forth. The exterminator, you know, Eastland, he, he gets Dalton. Uh, he, he's got him in his sights and he just goes to turn over the gun. He's going to turn him over. He's like, I just wanted to show you what it was like to be a victim. Right. You know, and I think he was totally going to give up at that point. Yeah, that's what it appeared to be. He was just kind of like, I just wanted you to know, you know, like kind of person to person before, you know, everything goes down and I, you know, go to jail or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was just like, <laughs> it was resigned. He's like, yeah, I'm willing to take the heat for everything I've done, but I'm showing you why I was doing what I was doing. He felt that it was necessary to justify the his actions. But the goddamn Shaw and the CIA show up, shoot Christopher George. He takes off. The exterminator kind of, you know, I mean, this is pretty much the end of the movie. He, he gets wounded. He takes out the CIA guys, and he kind of gets away. Is that shot again? It, the movie ends almost the same way it begins, you know, minus the uh, the Vietnam flashback. But you know, where the beginning credits be- started with that random shots of uh, New York right. City. We start with another shot of the him kind of washing up by uh, the Statue of Liberty, which was yeah, a well crafted shot. Right, and, and it's definitely <clears throat> they wanted us to think he was dead because you're like because they set it up like that, and then when he pulls us. He's then he like take his shirt off or something, and we see that flak jacket. That thing is this flak on it. Remember, like yeah, yeah, that? yeah. It's the that same, he wore it earlier. The yeah, same jacket he had wore wore he, earlier. He wore it earlier, and I think so. They they showed it to us again. There it is. He's got shadowing flak. Yeah, it, right. Exactly. And uh, and then you know they show him coming up, and he's on that thing. He's floating thing, and then they show New York. And uh, and then it was good. Yeah, they kind of do. It's like full circle. <laughs> of course, showing him yeah, alive. Yeah. Think, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know showing him washing up, wounded. You know, a little beat up, but alive. The tracking shot that keeps uh, picking back up. You know, further and further into the air, showing more and more of uh, New York and the Statue of Liberty. And it just and it ends the same way it begins with a beautiful tracking shot through. New overhead of New York set to some really bad country music. Again, <laughs> I just felt like the country. I know I'm nitpicking, but you know I, I got to be honest that I, I don't mind good country music, but I'm just very picky, and I thought it was just really <laughs> badly. It was some some somebody paid to have those songs put in the movie. Oh I'm sure, and stuff. <laughs> but now is real quick before we get to before we wrap the movie up because that's pretty much it. I wanted yeah, to go back real quick. Uh, the the scene where Dalton's thumbing through the anarchist cookbook, uh, my buddy has that book back then. That that I don't know if you've ever seen that book. I I had one in my possession many years ago, like in the mid nineties. I I had or I knew somebody that had one, and I had borrowed it just to look through it for a few days. Yeah, it's an interesting book. <laughs> yeah, buddy of mine, uh, John, um, had had the book, and I remember I forgot about that scene. But I remember that book because I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'd go to his house, we'd be hanging out, and it was like, you know, on his coffee table, and I just didn't thump through it. It had all kinds of crazy stuff, and I don't know specifically what it had, but that was the same book, and I, and I, you know, it's forty years ago, I'd forgotten about it, and I'm sitting there, and I see him thumbing through it, and I just started laughing. I was like, oh my god, the the yeah. anarchist book. <laughs> That's pretty much what the one that I had seen looked like. I don't remember much about it, but yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. It was just like that. It's a, right there, and that that was pretty funny. I, that 
Yeah, I remember those. I remember that. You know, looking at that book, so that was pretty funny. But yeah, that's. But it was cool because you know now we're pretty much the end of the movie. It, it's that's a it. you know I It's a very qu- quick running time. It's you know not quick, but I mean it's ninety three minutes. The version I, right. I watched it anyway. Yeah. Um, the I watched the director's cut had a few seconds cut out of it in blood and gore. And I, we ought to mention that the effects are really really good in this movie. There's a yes, decapitation scene that I yes. read they spent like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars or something like that on this one scene alone just for this one like animatronic head that gets you know that flips over and the and the face is still moving and the hands are twitching. I mean it's very realistic looking, especially for nineteen eighty. And I wish I would have spent some of that money in other places <laughs> in the movie, but that one effect, that the decapitation that was, effect, I under, yeah, understand why they trimmed that because that was pretty graphic <laughs> for back in the day. Yeah, that was in the Vietnam scene when the Viet yes. Cong had the guy, the Americans tied up, and uh, they're trying to get to they're trying to get to John Eastland by they're asking him stuff, and then so the the leader of the Viet Cong. <clears throat> They, he takes his you knife know, the, and he... I, I kept expecting yeah. Reb Brown to, to come out. You know, he was in so many of those 80s movies. I was expecting him right. to pop up so, in, in those sequences and just, you know, fire an M16 in the big battle sequence. But, yeah, that just didn't happen. <laughs> but I'll tell but, you, uh, it, was fun. It, it was fun reliving that movie again, especially, you know, 40 years of having, haven't seen it in really 40 years. And then to see it again, you know, I was like... And, and and it was kind of weird how your memory, like, you know, it's so weird how, you know, you know, you don't remember what you had for dinner. But, you know, I, I remember, like, hanging out in the car watching this at the drive and, like, those scenes, you know, just the different stuff. I was like, wow, wow, it's been that so long, but, you know, four decades. But but it was cool. I had, I had a lot of fun watching it again. I, you know, I again, with those flaws, I still love the movie. I thought it was a good uh Good, you know. I love revenge movies. You know, vigilante. Too. You know, the bad where the bad guy gets it. You know, they they really, you know, this guy that's been fucked around. He goes after and gets these fuckers and and he gets revenge. Those are you know everybody loves that shit. Everybody likes to see a sleazebag get his day in court. Yeah, you know, everybody and, loves uh, a good bad guy and they love seeing him pay for what he's done. Yeah. So and, uh, that was the pleasure of watching that again. And I'm glad uh, you. Did I had. That. I didn't remember a whole lot about it. I just remember, you know, uh, finding it on VHS. I hadn't seen it since since then, except for like an off chance on cable once in the mid '90s. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun to re revisit, but there was a lot of things about it that I had problems with. Uh, to be honest, um, I don't know. If you, do you want to give your final rating uh, first, being the guest, or you doesn't matter to me. I'll tell you, um, overall, the story, again, I kind of just said that about the revenge movies I like. Um, it had a great hero. Um, his buddy that he was to kind of start out was a good, really cool setup and a good story to start off between two friends that have been through hell, Vietnam, and they come back and they're just trying to live their lives and they're good people and then they get fucked over and had really good uh, bad guys that really deserve to get killed and all the kills are very cool. Um, yes, it's got some, uh, yes, it's got some moments in there. You're like, Hmm, but overall <laughs> it, it didn't ruin the movie for me. They were just kind of head scratchers. Like why? But again, that happens a lot in movies. You like, it's really not the end of the world, but I think so as, scale uh, from one to 10. Added, 
out of ten, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a good uh, good eight. I would give it an eight. That is my Ooh. that's my grade. Nice, nice. Where you at? Where you at? Well, this, this is gonna this is gonna be be the one time we're go- we're gonna differ slightly. We're usually on the same page. Um, I did have fun revisiting it because I had it was almost like watching it again for the first time because. You, usually, I've uh, with a movie like this, I've seen it multiple times already. I think right. I remember part two more than I remember part one because as w- I was watching this, I kept saying, "Where's Mario Van Peebles at?" And I right. forgot Mario Van Peebles was the main bad guy in part two. So I think I, I must have seen that a couple more times back in the day. It, it had a good beginning, and the first thirty minutes are stellar. I feel like after the thirty-minute mark, story-wise, it really falls apart. Uh, the, the story just the plot doesn't doesn't work for me it just you know it's a good revenge thriller it plays well if you pair it up with a double billing of death wish or something like that or vigilante right. but the writing really uh the, the directing is 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 good the choreography is good but the writing just really kind of bites it in the end for me <laughs> it just like i felt like it, it wasted too much time with J- dalton's uh love interest i felt like christopher george was kind of wasted he's usually kind of gives more I, I just don't know if that was a problem with him or the problem with the writing or maybe they weren't giving good direction or whatnot i usually tend to think of him as an actor that always delivers and i felt like he was underutilized here um yeah, i also felt that, like yeah. But I also felt like Steve James was underutilized because there's a point I actually paused it while I was watching it. There's a point where, like, after the opening sequences and he's in the hospital, other than one hospital visit, they don't show him again till like the 80 minute mark. Right. And I realize he's just supposed to be pretty much an invalid and all he can do is blink. But Steve James was such an expressive guy and such a great actor and had such great comedic timing, you know, and was just a great actor overall and a outstanding presence on film i just felt like you know i realized this was one of his earlier roles so maybe he was still developing but they just didn't let him do anything and i really i i I know i'm probably going to catch flack for this but i don't like robert ginty ginty or whatever his last name is as an actor i feel like you know there's moments he really shines there's moments he's really good but there was other moments i was just like did he just wake up you know it just he felt he felt somewhat aloof as a bad, as a, not as a bad guy, but as you know, as 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 the hero type. He felt a little aloof, and I don't know if I'm wrong here. Uh, maybe I need to watch it again after having not watched it for so many years. But yeah, there there was just a lot of things that let me down about it. Um, I'm coming in much lower, so forgive me, but I'm coming in at a four out of ten. Woo! Okay. Yeah. I, I gotta I be honest. I I, I, I always I, said. I think honestly, I think I'm I, I think I'm being a little nice. With the eight, uh, I seem like I'm uh, eight and nines. I don't want to. I don't want to go full ten. Yet, you know, probably just because they're older movies, I respect them and for just from being from back in the day. But I don't disagree with you on yeah. your score either. I really don't because, yeah, I mean, you're mentioning more stuff than I was mentioning about the flaws that, like, you're like well, now you know, that there's I'm like a lot of notes on. that I had and <laughs> yeah, and I agree I, with you 100. percent You know. Well, I didn't want to, like, you know, just come off negative, and I I always try to uh, focus more on what I like about a film as opposed to what I don't like, but when it comes down to it in the end and I have to sum it up, I got to be, you know, uh, whether people like it or not, I got to be honest. And, yeah, this one is this, you know, it's an all right film, but it's, um, I don't need to own it now. I I can sell my DVD copy. I've, I've seen it again. I've revisited it. 
I do want to I, see part two, and it makes me want to rewatch part two and see if maybe right. that was the one that I really ended up liking because I, I remember holding it in a higher regard when I was younger. I just hadn't, you know, was this a movie I hadn't revisited? So maybe I'm thinking of part two. So maybe on a, a future show we'll do part two, and I, you know, maybe I'll come in a little higher. Who knows? Maybe I'll come in lower, but yeah, four out of ten. I got you, man. I, you know what? I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I could I could go either way on that. So because like I said, hey, you know, every point you made, I I, I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is. Sometimes movies go up or go down for me. There's movies I remember watching that I've rated on IMDb, and I'm like, why did I give that a seven? That movie's like a full on ten. Or why did right. I give that? Why did I give that a ten? I've rewatched that, and that was maybe a six at best. You know, sometimes your taste just change changes, and you know. Things, and you know, sometimes, things that you like go up or down. Sometimes you remember in your head, you may think it was better than it actually turns out to be. Watching it now, you're like, hmm, I don't, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't get what I was thinking or what I was on at the time, but I just, oh. you know, it's like you remember the you remember the poster, you know, more than anything else. Like, oh yeah, it was great. You know, the way you felt as a as a young youngster. And well, like, let's mm, mention the poster too. At one point, the cover, it's 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 the exterminator with a big flamethrower wearing the motorcycle helmet, looking all badass. Never happens in the film. See, that's he, another thing too. He that plays way, with I, the I, he I, plays I, with the flamethrower and threatens somebody with it, but he doesn't really do anything with I, it. I actually was going to mention that. I didn't in my review. I should have said that. But yeah, they yeah, they, they lost a fucking switch, wasn't it? it they lost the, an opportunity <clears throat> to utilize like an out, a fucking great weapon. I mean, a fucking flamethrower. You know, I mean, who do, you know who doesn't want to see you know a guy in a fucking motorcycle helmet taking out bad guys with a flamethrower? I mean, I, I'd go see that any day. You know, so they 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 lost some opportunities to to, to really <clears throat> really make the movie shine. But it, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, and oh, and I agree <laughs> with you too with Steve James. He, he definitely could have been worked in a little longer in the story. Uh, well, they could have more. That is he, trivia. He he, he was um, he was a joy to watch he, in the beginning. It was fun, you know. It was like yeah. Oh yeah, he he was a, such a big part of the plot in the beginning to just forget about him for almost an hour was just right. yeah kind of bad. But um, he had actually only auditioned to play the small part as the bartender in that was in there in one scene with with the two of them as they're ordering oh. beers and playing pool and whatnot. Um, right. The director liked him so much that that's why he gave him the part of Jefferson. So, but still, we would have seen even less of him if uh, he'd only gotten the part of the bartender. So, you know, it, it you know, it's thumbs up for that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fair to Midland movie. It's it's an all right movie. It's not quite a a good movie, but definitely not a great movie for me. Uh, I was like I said, a little disappointed, but you know, I actually I had I had fun to rewatch it. It, I got a couple good laughs out of it, and I've enjoyed, uh, you know, sharing some uh, experiences and memories of watching it with you. This has been fun. Uh, the doing oh, the yeah. shows is almost always, or I should say, it's actually always more fun than watching the movies. I, I love just getting into the banter, <laughs> and you know, whether we agree on stuff or not, more times than not, we do agree. But you know, uh, whether we agree or not, I just I love the banter. I love hearing what other people have to say on these movies, and whether I agree with it or not. It's just a great thing, and you know, especially at a time like time like these, you know, everybody's still under quarantine. Uh, there's protests in the street. Everybody needs something that they can enjoy, and 
I, I enjoy these little little moments of uh, reviewing stuff with you and everybody else, and uh, there's been a, a great reprieve from the outside world. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I agree with you 100%, my friend. It is, it's fun, uh, you know, just like anything, hanging out, talking to your buddies about movies, your friends, and, you know, people that read, you know, it, the movies themselves were fun seeing, but, yeah, it, you know, just sitting around chewing the fat on them, you know, just kind of talking about them and, and going over them and, and just kind of having a laugh and remembering stuff. Uh, that's what's fun about these things. And that's why this podcast is so fun. And it's cool. I love doing them. Yeah, and, I have uh, a lot of fun with it. And uh, this, I'll tell you what, all the all the shows that you got lined up, um, I can't wait to listen to. You got some great uh, co-hosts there with you. And uh, this yeah, is, we- I'm glad you started this because uh, this is this is Me very too. exciting. Me too. Watch it. I know I'm going to. You know, when you say, hey, you want to do a show this weekend? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all excited. So it's good. Yeah. It's fun. I'm having, a lot, I'm having a lot of fun doing these. So let's keep going, man. Let's yeah, keep you, doing them. We'll have to pick a movie to do for, for the next one. Actually, got a couple pick, picked out. I will send you a, an updated list. Well, my, but my friend, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do another one of these silly little shows with me. I miss you, brother. Love you very much. This has been... Cinema Degenerations Grindhouse Pizzeria, and you have been listening to Cameron Scott and Tom Commissar. And thank All right. you for listening. Join Have a good time. Thank you, Cameron. Love you too. Oh, and thank, to- thank you, sir. Wait. Oh, I got, I oh, forgot. Go I got one more thing. Yo. Hey, your fly's open. <laughs> was that the exterminator? <laughs> I think I, I, I delivered that line almost as good as Robert did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that right. Was, so, hey, anybody out there uh, wanting to do an Exterminator reboot? I, I if you if you're looking for a, a middle aged, overweight uh, guy with heart problems to play your vigilante yeah. hero, I'm I'm fucking there with bells on, man. <laughs> I want to be uh, one of the. I want to be one of the ghetto ghouls. So if you're if you're gonna remake the movie, make me uh, one of those guys. All right, right on. We'll do. We'll do. All right, All so right. you have a good one, and we'll be talking to you soon. You got it, my friend. Have a great day, everybody. See you again. Bye bye. Is there anything else I should know? Oh, you kidding me? Hey, look, I swear. If you're lying, I'll be back. Gotta be kidding, buddy. I got your message. Hey, wait, wait a minute. No, no. No, no. What are you crazy? Don't, don't do that. Stop up. Jesus Christ. Stop. What are you crazy? Stop it.